0: So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Luke chapter five, verse one. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got in to one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water. Let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down my nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The reading of the sacred word. It's reliable and it can be trusted. Let's pray together. God, we have come to this hour of worship from a variety of places and absolutely with a variety of expectations. Some of your children have gathered here with so very low expectations that they don't suspect anything will change. And some with such high expectations that if nothing changes, they're giving up. My prayer for these your children is that you would show us something about you that is so clear and so reassuring that it changes everything. I pray that for just a few moments you might remove from the shoulders of these your worshipers any burden that keeps them from fully and completely being present with you in this moment. And then we trust your spirit to do in us and with us what only your spirit can do. In the name of Jesus, the Lord of life, amen. Amen. John Cavanaugh, a renowned ethicist and professor and, and Jesuit priest, years ago went through a period of time in his life where it was cloudy. He needed some direction, he needed clarity, and he spent a few months serving alongside the Sisters of Charity in Calcutta, India, with Mother Teresa. There he served the needs of the most lonely and desperate and destitute, the poorest of the poor. And he recalls that when he first met Mother Teresa, that uh, powerful woman of faith and compassion and mercy he said to her i need you to pray for me she says to kevin i will, what do you want me to pray for he said i need more than anything else clarity i need you to pray for clarity in my life and she said nope i will not pray for clarity She said, clarity is the last thing that you are clinging to and must learn to let go of. He said, but you have lived your whole life with such clear clarity. And she laughed in his face and said, I've never had clarity. What I've had is trust. So I will pray that you will learn to trust God. In this series that we find ourselves in, this sermon series, this study called Available, we have been attempting together to marvel at the mystery that the God who has become available to us actually wants us to become available back to God. That God would actually want us to join with God in the ongoing work of loving and redeeming and repairing and reconciling a fragmented world, but I'm here to tell you today that you cannot be made available to God and you cannot enjoy the mutual availability of the divine until you learn how to trust. I mean, these few weeks I've been saying to you as well as to myself that it's time to take a risk for God to step out in places where we've never been to make yourself transparent, vulnerable, a yielded life before God, available to the divine. And I've been saying things like, because God's call, the call of God will never lead you where the grace of God will not sustain you. That's what I've been saying. That the, The call of God will never lead you where the grace of God will not sustain you, and that's true. But you cannot, nor can I, make the first step on that long journey of availability and usefulness and call until we learn something about how to to trust. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? With whatever it was that you brought into this space today and whatever it was that woke you up at 2.35 in the morning and you couldn't go back to sleep for 45 minutes, do you trust God? Because the problem with trust, in my experience, is that we limit a conversation about trust to only those big moments in life that are so monumental that everything's riding on it. So we talk about, well, we must trust God with how to make a move and how to change a job and who to marry and how to stay married and where do I go to school and when is it time to retire? All these big life-changing, earth-shattering decisions, we talk about trusting God in those and we should. But that, my sisters and brothers, is not where trust begins. Trust begins in the everyday mundane decision to trust God with the little things that are right in front of us every single day, learning to trust in the small moments, create a wider bandwidth of faith to trust in the big moments, to trust that that conversation you have to have with that coworker because something went wrong this week and you know you're going to have to address it by Thursday, to trust In that, to trust in the interview that you have coming up that God will prepare your heart and give you the words to speak in a way that confidently represents who you are and what you have to offer this new opportunity. It's learning to trust in the small, everyday, mundane, helter-skelter events of normal human life. It's going to the doctor and they say, "We're we're gonna draw some blood to run a few tests, but you know that you have to wait three or four, sometimes five days for those lab results to come back. Can you trust in the span of those three, four, five days that no matter what the result is, God still has your back? Do you trust God? Because I believe that when we learn to trust God in the small ways... It creates within us a greater capacity to trust God in the wide, long, and deep ways that really have significant impact on our lives. There is, you might want to say, a kind of evolution to our trusting capacity. When we trust God in the little things and we see that God was faithful there, then when the bigger things come, we remember that he was faithful, and if he was faithful then, he'll be faithful now, and we grow, I think, that is what this story in Luke's gospel is all about. I mean, we know it's a story about a miracle. We know that there was no fish. They fished all night. They didn't catch anything. Jesus said some things about how to do it, and they caught a bunch of fish. We know this, right? And it's miraculous. But this story is not about the fish, you know. There is something that happens in the heart of Simon Peter that represents a kind of journey that he makes in these few short verses. We can watch the evolution of trust develop in him. We can watch the movement. Did you catch the the flow, the direction, the movement? This passage moves from shore to shallow, from shallow to deep. Deep and from deep to beyond. There is a movement in this passage and in the heart of Simon Peter that is intended to mirror for you and me the same kind of movement and motion and flow that the life of faith and trust might look like if we let it take its course. The story starts off on the shore Now we know that when the story begins, Jesus is on the beach. He's just a few yards away from Simon Peter and the other fishers. And we know that Jesus has already begun to draw a crowd. He's speaking about something that's life-giving and compelling. It's so provocative that the crowd continues to swell. But what I want you to remember is that when this story starts, it's on fertile, solid ground, terra firma. Peter is on the shore just a few yards from Jesus but not part of that crowd. Do you know that it's possible to be so in the vicinity of the holy and miss it altogether? Yeah, yeah. And it's not that Simon doesn't want to be a part of something holy and divine and and, and provocative and life-giving and it's not that he doesn't need that, it's just he's had a long night. Sometimes we have seasons of long nights. (laughs) And when you are overwhelmed by the load of your long night, all the disappointment and disillusionment, he'd been fishing all night. And when we're introduced to him in this story, he's folding these nets that have been empty all night. And I believe these nets are not just a pragmatic prop in this pericope, in this passage. It's a parable, the empty Nets that he folds, you know what it's like to, at the end of a long season, be folding the nets of disappointment and frustration and failure and all the dead ends of everything he tried through the night and never came up with anything worth navigating the waters that night. And he's folding in complete exhaustion. And it, it occurs to me that Sometimes when we are just exhausted and we're focused on all the things that life requires of us, it is possible to be near the holy and yet so far away from it. Because along the way, no one has ever told us that the whole thing is holy. The whole thing. You know what it's like, right? You wake up in the morning and you get the kids up, but they're dragging their feet. And so they're moving slow. So you can't cook them breakfast. But, and they can't have breakfast. They could have had some cereal. Problem is you didn't have time in the last two days to go pick up milk. You've been out of milk for two days. You're so busy. So today is going to be Chick-fil-A on the way to school. And you're frustrated because that's, that's what they wanted anyway. And you drop them off at school and then you come into work on like two wheels. You work all day long mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted. Then you go pick the kids up and you take them to gymnastics or ball practice or band practice. And then everybody's gotta eat kinda in their own pace and rhythm because there's homework to do and after the homework you gotta do some laundry because that thing is piling up. And then you fall into bed exhausted and before your head hits the pillow you remember, ah, the milk. Still out of milk. So you go to sleep exhausted having folded your empty nets only to get up the next morning and what? Do it all over again. It's not that I don't want to feel the holy just ye- just yards away. It's not that I don't need to feel the divine just a short walk from here to there. It's just how am I going to fit this in to everything I've got going on? And then something happens See, in the midst of all that busyness, we don't remember that the whole thing is holy, that every activity, that doing laundry, that, that, that taking the kids, that going through the drive through my pleasure, have a nice day, is all holy. And, and maybe that's why Jesus got in his boat. Sometimes God will... Capture your attention and draw you from where you were to where you need to be by sometimes disrupting you. And it feels like a like a disturbance, but it's really a holy disruption. To break into the rhythm of monotony and the patterns of frustration, because I think Peter looks up. And this guy's in his boat, he just cleaned that boat. And this guy is tracking dirt and mud and, and silt and sand all in the, and I think text doesn't say it, so I can't prove it. But I think Simon is just miffed. And I think he elbows his way through this crowd because he's going to say something to this guy. He's going to give him a piece of his mind, but before he can, before he can, Jesus, in the way that only Jesus can, disrupts him with the question, could you put out a little way off the shore? Interesting language. And now all eyes are on him. What's he going to do? Be a big jerk and not let the guy use his... So now what he has to do, don't lose this, he has now moved from the shore to the shallow. I find the language interesting. Put out just a little ways off the shore. Do you know that sometimes God will put you out in order to pull you in? God will put you out in order to pull you in. He'd already cleaned that boat. He'd already done one boat and was moving on to the next. He will put you out in order to pull you in. Have you ever been asked to do something and it was the worst possible time to say yes? Pretty soon, some of you will be asked to serve as deacon here at this church. Others of you, um, next week, will have this fair and I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna put the pressure on you, my beloved sisters and brothers, because we have areas in this church that are are growing. Our, Our nursery is exploding with growth. Some of you people keep having babies. And what a blessing. It is growing and the need is there. We're growing in children's ministry, youth ministry, in production ministry. And it may be the worst possible time for you to say yes to any of it. But I'm here to tell you that sometimes God will put you out in order to pull you in Because right there now, Peter, Simon is in the boat because he has to pull up the anchor and shove it out. Now he's all wet again. He has to get inside the boat, drop the anchor a few yards from the shore and the water is going to act as like a natural amplification system. You know, when you're at the lake and you can hear people talking when they stroll by on their boats. Jesus has a need to be heard, but I think the greater need is that Simon has a need to get in the water. So now he's a captive audience. He's only passively listening maybe to what Jesus is talking about and nobody knows what he's actually preaching about. What was was Jesus preaching that day? What was the sermon? I don't know. Maybe his sermon was about how to love an enemy. Maybe it was about how to forgive a debtor. Maybe it was about if you have two coats and you see someone with no coat, you give them one of your coats. Or maybe, Simon heard it as, if you have two boats and you see somebody needs one boat, I don't know what he was preaching. Maybe he was preaching about seasons in which all you can see is the empty net of your disappointment. And maybe he, he spoke those beautiful words, do not worry about your life, What you will eat or drink or the body, what you will wear is life not more than food and the body not more than clothing. Consider the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap, yet your heavenly father feeds them. And consider the lilies of the field, they neither toil or spin, and yet I tell you, Solomon in all his glory is not arrayed as one of these. And if God so feeds the birds of the air and clothes the flowers of the field, which are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more care for you? And he's speaking to the people on the shore, but the guy who's sitting starboard He's overhearing a message that is changing his life. Do you know it's been said that sometimes the gospel is best heard when it's overheard? And he hears of another way to trust that all shall be well, all shall be well and every manner of things shall be well and don't forget he's moved now from the shore to the shallow, yeah it's not the deep but don't underestimate the significance of walking into the shallow because it may not be where you need to be, it may not be where you want to be, but thank God almighty, it's not where you used to be. Yeah, yeah. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about and I'm telling you, don't underestimate the significance of overhearing the gospel. Some of you sometimes come to church with maybe a reluctant spouse or a reluctant child sometimes you may be listening at home and you wish that they were sitting next to you on the sofa listening to the message and being part of what you see here but they're doing something different they're on their device they may be doing the dishes or whatever don't underestimate the power of God to disrupt the mundane in order to get the attention of those who need to move from the shore to the shallow it's not your job it is God's and God is good at it God is good at it so there he is he's He's listening and he's being shaped by what he hears and you know why I believe he's being shaped by what he hears? Because at the end of this sermon and it must have been a long sermon. I know you don't know anything about enduring long sermons but allegedly it happens in places. At the, I hear Rhonda back there. Rhonda came to church today I think. At the end Jesus leans over to him and says, are you ready to go deeper? And you know how the story goes. They go out into the deep and they lower their nets. Don't miss the movement. He was on the shore. He moved to the shallow. Now he's moved to the deep because if you trust God on the shore, even just a little bit, that'll compel you to step into the shallow. And then when you're in the shallow, if you can open up your heart just a skosh, to trust a little bit more, God will take you to the deep. And they brought in more fish than the boat could carry. And it's a fantastic moment, a miraculous moment in the life of Jesus, but don't forget this is not about the fish. We're told in the scripture that there were so many fish, they had to bring the other boat now, they're both there hauling it in and the nets are beginning to break. Don't miss the beauty of that moment. The very nets that at the beginning of this story represented everything that was empty and everything that was frustrating and everything that was a dead end and everything that was exhausting are now breaking with abundance. Because when you give God the nets of your disappointment, the empty nets of your frustration, your dead ends, your exhaustion, and allow him to take you into waters that are over your head, they break apart and you learn to trust in ways you could not trust back on the shore. Yeah. Now, it gets even better. Because they bring both boats to the shore and now he falls on his knees before Jesus and he's had the catch of his life, but Jesus isn't done with him. He says, if you follow me, I will, I will turn you into a fisher of people. And the most amazing thing happens, he walks away from the catch of his life. He leaves it there because his trust capacity has grown and swelled to such a state that he's willing to leave the very best to follow him. And my question for you this morning is the same question that stirs in my heart when I read this text: Where are you in this story? Are you on the shore and you're practicing kind of a shoreline spirituality where you've put your toes on the water's edge of faith but because of the long list of things that will not wait for you, you've had to put the divine somewhere downstream, down shore because maybe God Wants to do something that so disrupts the rhythm of, the, mountain, of, the, of the, um, um, the mundane, the rhythm of your disappointment to so disrupt you that it causes you, compels you to move into the shallow. Are you on the shore or you, are you on the shallow? If you're on the shallow, is it possible that God has brought you to the shallow, disrupted the rhythm of the familiarity of your life in order to prove to you that wherever he leads you, he will go with you in that boat. Some of us are afraid to leave the shore and go into the shallow because who knows where this current will take me. But this story reminds us that he's the one who goes in the boat with us. And, And if you're in the shallow, Maybe God is calling you to say yes to something you've never imagined in order to experience a life you've never seen. Or maybe you're in the deep and you're having the time of your life and it's the high water mark for you and everything has been fantastic. You've got fish in both boats and you've worked your whole life to get to this place. I mean, your boats are brimming with fish. Brimming. See, brim is a kind of fish. That joke kind of floundered a little bit here. Maybe you're at a place in the deep where you're like, finally, this is where I've been leading my whole life. This is where I've been going. Finally, it's all coming together. Everything seems to be clicking at work, everything seems to be happy at home. And maybe right now is the time that God is calling you to step from the deep to the beyond to say yes to leaving behind everything that provides you comfort and security and clarity and learn to truly trust.